There's 162 games of the baseball season and winter comes along just to end it. So the annual problem for a baseball fan is finding a good way to watch it. Like maybe going to the park or watching on TV or just catching the highlights. Watching Donaldson strike out again or seeing Judge hit 62 bombs. Bang! Bogart's leaving town, Kike making plays or Kenley closing the door. Debating with your friends, making dumb bets, or complaining about the umps again. As you can tell, there's a whole lot of stuff to hear before winter comes again. Let's go, y'all. So chill with us, because Gamby and Beal are going to say it all. So chill with us, because Gamby and Beal are going to say it all. Man, Fred, Gamby and Beal made a podcast. Hello and welcome back to season two of the Yank Your Socks Off podcast, a podcast produced by two best friends who despise each other's baseball teams, but love each other anyways. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for tuning in now to the show. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Yank Your Socks Off podcast. I am one of your hosts, the Yankees fan of this podcast. My name is Andrew Gambardella III. Joining me as always, my best friend, co-host, Red Sox fan, and absolute stud, Mr. Matthew David Beal. How are you doing today? I'm doing uh, quite well. Um, the Red Sox are coming off of a solid week, almost getting uh, you know 500 out of a, a seven-game stretch against the Astros and the Dodgers, so I can live with that. Um, yeah, I, I, feel, I feel pretty content right now. Um, the team's playing well. I, I've I've got nothing to complain about. Yeah, you're in the hunt, and we're we're gonna get to baseball today. Um, the Yankees are very much not in the hunt, but um, we're gonna Hello? start. We're gonna start with football. We're gonna start with football today, and then we're gonna transition to baseball to finish off today and talk Yankees Red Sox um, to get the day started with with football. Um, Isaiah Simmons just got traded to the Giants. He is a former number one overall, well, not number one overall, a first round pick of the Cardinals in 2020. And we got him for a seventh round pick. Beal, how excited are you to have another Clemson player on the Giants roster? And uh, do you think this makes the team better? Um, I'll, I'll answer the second question first. Yes, I, I think the team is better um and uh, you know for the other question no no I'm not excited for more Clemson players uh it could have been anybody else uh yes it makes the team better but no it does not make the team better in my biased South Carolina Gamecock eyes um so I, I don't like having Clemson players I, I don't like that Clemson is still a school competing in college football um i i just don't like them at all i don't like the color i don't like the team i don't like the cockiness um i don't like any of their players uh isaiah simmons is someone who i didn't have strong feelings against while he was in college so i i can live with him i usually can live with the defensive players because they're they're not the ones kind of um you know on the uh, big screen 
Trevor Lawrence getting promoted from the school. And um, I feel like I don't have too negative of connotation associated to Isaiah Simmons. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I do need to work on reducing the amount of Clemson players or at least outweighing the Clemson players with South Carolina players. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this is a double-edged sword here on one hand. Um, yeah, our, our defense is better on another. Uh, I, I just I don't like where our guys come from. Um, I, I think it's uh, bad juju to, uh, to get Clemson players because the program is just not good. I don't agree with that. Clemson has a very good football program, and we dislike them. That's true, but they turn out. I had a good point. They turn out a lot of talent. You definitely don't have a good point. The good point you make, I think, the I good do. the good point you do make though is that South Carolina players and SEC players in general tend to have um, better. At least easier tra- transitions into the NFL, and I think that, that wasn't my point. Oh, You're yeah, I'm my words. My point had no merit to it. It was purely biased. So I'm aware. To no, associate I, merit to my point is just wrong. Okay, I'm gonna make a separate <laughs> point that has merit. That's I fair. Think, I think having more South Carolina players on your roster than a than Clemson players, even though Clemson is a perennial top 25 program and South Carolina hasn't been for the past couple, couple seasons. Um, we, uh, I think South Carolina produces better pros. That's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. agree. And, and I think that is still a very hot take considering the likes of Trevor Lawrence and, and ETN are out there, but I mean, JC Horn is an absolute stud. He's an absolute stud muffin. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I can't really think of anybody else right now, but there's other people out there who are pretty good and from South Carolina. I mean, they're okay, is, but is, is Ryan Suckup still no in the Debo league? Samuel. Uh, I don't know, but he's really good. So South Carolinian. Yeah. Let me, let me see. Cause if he is, then that takes us over the edge. Yeah. Is an American who is a free agent. Dang it. He's a free agent right now. That's okay. Well, he's still uh, a top 32 yeah. kicker. Yeah, not retired. Top 33. Top 33. He's a free yeah. agent. He's 33rd. He's the 33rd yeah. kicker. That's still pretty good. And Elliot Fry is still out there somewhere, too, as a kicker. So yep. Yep. We got he's, it. We got it out there. Yeah. Offense, defense, and special teams. Debo, JC, and Ryan Suckup. That's all. And Debo need. basically plays five positions. So I think he counts as basically <laughs> Trevor Lawrence and ETN combined. Okay. All right. You win. Well, you don't. We weren't really fighting, but uh, I am going to agree with you that South Carolina is a better school than Clemson. There's no doubt about that. And I cannot wait for the college football season to start. Kicked off in week zero this week with Notre Dame taking down Army in Ireland, Uh, the Irish playing in Ireland. I thought that was pretty cute. Um, Or they beat Navy. My bad. 42 to 3. I, I don't really know what that proves for Notre Dame, but they got something, I guess. They got something. Um, luck of the Irish is on their side in Ireland. That's almost unfair. That's an auto win over there. Um, but what wasn't an auto win and something that went down to the wire, the Little League World Series just ended this past weekend. And 
it ended in dramatic fashion. I don't know if you watched, Beal. I did not. But, not a huge Little League fan. Yeah, I didn't all watch four, either. All four of the kids, but uh, it's just I, – I don't know. I, I don't know. In the past, I, I haven't really got super into it. Um, but I'm always, always excited for the kids. So I'm excited to hear about what you have to say. Yeah, um, America took home another trophy this year. Uh, nice, the, nice. The boys, the boys from California, the the boys won, won on a walk off home run against uh, the boys from Curacao. Nice. Um, so it was six to five ball game. I the only thing I have seen was the walk off home run that was shown on the top plays on on Sports Center this morning. Um, that is the only thing I have so- seen from this game. I might watch some highlights, might not. Um, but to be honest, there, there it is. There's our Little League World Series talk of the year right there. Yeah. Um, nice. Good. Another Congratulations thing- to, to the boys. Um, yeah, I'm sure they did a great job. They, they did great baseball. Um. <laughs> they done it. They done it. Uh, <laughs> they, they did it. <laughs> Um, champs. Another guy who did it this this weekend was Victor Hovland. Victor did it. Victor. Victor did it. Third Victor. youngest FedEx Cup. I I I don't know. That's your stat, not mine. Yeah. Um, you're your stats guy for golf. So. I think I saw a notification that said that. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for citing your sources. Yes. Um so Hovland though. The first perennial golfer that I know from from Norway um, kind of paved his own path. He plays the game with kind of like Tom Kim. He's always got a smile on his face out there on the golf course. So an easy guy to root for. But we got the Ryder Cup coming up, and I'm scared. It's in Europe. We have not won as Americans. We have not won the Ryder Cup in Europe since 1993. Damn. I don't. I don't know if we're going to do it this year. And uh, when we pick at the end of September, when we talk about the Ryder Cup and do a little preview, I don't know where I'm going. I, I think I might be uh, on Team Europe at this point with, with the, the way. I, obviously, I won't be rooting for Team Europe. I'm just saying picks-wise, I might side with Team Europe. But um, congratulations, Victor Hoblin. Hovland, you are even more of a multimillionaire than you were just a couple days ago. $18 million he won by winning the FedEx Cup this year. Yeah. It's pretty good. Pretty crazy. I have something to say about the Ryder Cup and President's Cup. Um, those tournaments always feel so weird to me because the Ryder Cup has always uh, favored the Europeans, and the President's Cup obviously has always favored the the state's golfers. Um, Why? I don't, uh, well, here's the thing. I, I don't really know. I, I think a lot of it has to do with the link style course and, um, you know, yeah, but who are more used to a different course. We but played the Ryder Cup every two years. It switches. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I really <laughs> there's something there that I as a not super like fan golfer don't understand um i I think i believe since europe hosts the Ryder cup that like maybe they have pick a format and sometimes maybe it helps out the players that are on the team 
I don't really know, but whatever it is that separates the two and makes the President's Cup easier for the state's golfers and the Ryder Cup easier for Europeans, they got to fix that because it makes it so boring. I love both tournaments, but you like there's an 80% chance that you know who's going to win the tournament. Um, and it's so rare that U.S. goes in and wins the Ryder Cup, as you mentioned, and it's rare that European players end up winning the President's Cup. And well, I, I don't know the difference, but it is just stupid that there is just such a strong correlation because at the end of the day, it's golf. Like, it, I don't know. It, you know that these two teams are pretty evenly matched, um, and there's some difference between the two cups. Uh, I just – I don't know what it is as a pretty, you know, it, intro-level fan of golf right now. Um, I haven't been watching a ton. And I've never watched a lot of the Ryder Cup or President's Cup, but whatever it is, I, I feel like they got to fix it. One of these team events, and for you being the golf expert and golf guy on the podcast, I think it's pretty embarrassing that you don't know that the President's Cup is between America and everybody else who's not from Europe. Oh, okay. Um, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> but... Yeah, that switches that switches as well every two years um, for the right. And I, I take back what I just said. I, I didn't know any of this information until like a month ago. So I'm not going to pawn it off like I am some absolute genius. I am just a, I don't know. I don't know what I am. But what I am not is that much of a, of a golf expert. But what I do know is that the Ryder Cup every two years switches between Europe and America. This year it is in Italia and the Europeans have the advantage because when they're in Europe, they get to pick like the pairings, like who get, they get first pick of the pairings, like who gets matched up with who, and they get to pick where the golf course is. So they get to tailor it more towards a European style. Um, whereas I think last Ryder cup that we had was in 2022 because of COVID or 21, it got delayed because because of COVID. I think it was in 21 and we had it at one of the longest courses in, yeah, it was at Whist, in whistling Straits in Wisconsin, definitely favored, um, the Americans and game you have the fans behind you as well so that only you know serves to help you in you know always and that's always going to help you the home crowd over there in europe is going to be booing every time the americans do something good and you know cheering on uh the europeans over there so i think i you know i think the Ryder cup is excellent and i wish um I hope that it never I, – I hope they never stop the tournament, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I hope so, too. I catch bits and part, bits and pieces of the Ryder Cup every year, but um, clearly have never been too in tune to uh, the Ryder Cup or President's Cup um, because of my uh, display – terrible display of knowledge so far in this podcast. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like, you only get so many team events a year, and – um, really, to watch team events, you'd have to be watching live golf right now. Uh, so it's it's a cool aspect of the PGA, and 
um, them having done it for so long now. Um, and something that they clearly, um, based on what the PJ has said, is looking to expand on. So um, it's it's cool because it, the Ryder Cup is going to be looked at as like the longest term team event there is on tour. Uh, and then as they create more of these, it's just going to increase the interest in the Ryder Cup. And it, I feel like it's going to serve as your like British Open or Masters tournament. The thing that's just been around forever that everybody cares about as far as team events go. As they make team events, I feel like people kind of care, but still focus more on the individual events. But the Ryder Cup's always going to hold a little bit more just because it's been around now, I mean, not for that long, but from the aspect of team events has been a long, longer than yeah, you know, everything else. So It's been around since 1927. Yeah. Uh, the first ever Ryder Cup was won by the Americans. Um, and Walter Hagen as U.S. US captain beat Ted Ray, Ted Ray of Great, Great Britain, captain of great the European course. team. So, Crazy. yeah, it, it's got a great history. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to watching it. Beal, I do think that we should try to schedule our own little Ryder Cup here with our buddies. Bet. Bet. Let's do I, it. I, I think that would be a lot of a lot of fun, and we could represent. I don't. I don't know. Right. Maybe different colleges, I guess. Yes. Yeah. As, as like a as a or I don't know, but we'll we can we'll table that for, yeah, for yeah. another day, but that, that could be a lot of fun for like a golf weekend trip. Uh, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. But to finish out today's show, we got to talk about the Yankees and Red Sox. Oh, and boy. I, I hate to beat a dead horse here, but the Yankees are laughably, I mean, I, I picked the record right of two and four um, this past week, but I, I mean, did I really see them? Did I really deep down think they were going to go two and four? Yes, only because yes. I know that the Yankees stink. <laughs> but did I think that they would lose and blow um, blow a lead to the Nationals um, in the seventh inning or later when you had a had a pretty big lead and you blew it in pretty fashion? against the Nationals in the rubber match at home? No, I didn't see that coming. It They, they failed to surprise me with how upsetting and uh, disappointing they can be as a baseball team this year in 2023. And I'm sure you've enjoyed every – I'm sure you're smiling right now, and I would be too if, if you know, circumstances were different, obviously. But, but they're not. And the only real bright spot for this Yankees team is that the the new call-up, the rookie, Everson uh, Pereira, he got his first MLB hit this past week. And uh, Aaron Judge has hit, I think, now like six home runs in six games. So, yeah, he's still pretty good, but that's it. That's all we got. Nice. What a team. Yeah, and Garrett Cole is a stud. Shocker. Sometimes. Cyan. Cyan. I, honestly, I don't know who else could be the Cyan in the AL other than Garrett Cole. I, I yeah. hope there's not record, a ton of competition there. I hope team record doesn't come into play with the Cyan because I don't know how you're supposed to 
you're supposed to handle that. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. I mean, you only yes. count for a fifth of your team's record as a pitcher, so or a starting pitcher that is. So, like, I don't. Know. I, I mean, I I don't weigh it a lot. I weigh his record. Um, you know, like within reason. Obviously, like if you don't have a lot of run support, like there's a lot of pitchers out there who get three runs a game and uh, like over nine innings. That is just absurdly low to average. Um, so I, I don't know what his numbers look like that or look like for that. But, um, you know, that's the only exception I would have for a bad pitcher record. But I would expect the Cy Young to have at least 15 wins. Um, I don't know where he's at right now, but like it, you got to you got to have a, a somewhat decent record as long as your run support is there and present. Um, but I Fair don't enough. factor in the team record very much. Yeah, his he's right now the favorite and the guy trailing him um, with right now is Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo has an 11 and 7 record with the Mariners, a 3.01 ERA. Um, pretty much a one flat um, whip, and he's got 180 strikeouts. Um, whereas Garrett Cole, same number of wins. He's 11 and four. Pretty good. Uh, the ERA is a 295, slightly lower. Um, they, they pretty much identical stats, except Garrett Cole has three less losses on his resume. Yeah. They also yeah. both have 181 strikeouts, and Luis Castillo has pitched 164 innings. Garrett Cole has pitched 168. Pretty yeah. identical seasons, but I just think Yankee, yeah, I think that'll factor in as well. To get, I, I don't think it should. Yeah, but, but is Castillo, you say Castillo is a Mariner. Honestly, I can't remember. He's been around so many different places recently. Right. He's, he's in Seattle right now. He's in Seattle. He's that Seattle does base. speak. That does speak a lot. But it, with them being so close, I, I think there's going to be some difference at the end of the season that separates them two. But if it comes down to equal stats, I almost feel like Castillo's going to get more votes being on a playoff team or I agree. a right wing <laughs> playoff team. And not I, only that, a division leader that has just been absolute. Uh, since the All-Star break. Yeah, I, I think it it definitely, you know, down the stretch here, their last couple starts in the regular season are going to factor in yeah. uh, a lot. Like, they're going to factor in much more than I think. It is a tight Zion race, and I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know Luis Castillo was that close. But I think having three less losses is also – pretty dang good because yeah true i i know that garrett cole has failed to get pretty much any run support all year and a lot he should have at least i i think we still have won a bunch of his starts he's at he has 27 starts and he has 12 no decisions and i'm almost positive out of those 12 no no decisions we've won at least 10 of those games but we just hadn't scored for him until like the seventh inning or later until he was out of the game. Yeah, that's painful. I feel like so. if you go seven plus and allow three or less runs and your team ends up winning, no matter what the score was when you leave the game, I feel like you got to get something for that. I don't know. 
I agree. I think there should be like a, a half point win. Like they do in yeah. hockey when you lose yeah. in overtime, like you get like one point. Yeah. I think that should back. But I, I as think as long as you're tied, like when you leave the game. If you're losing, that's one thing. But like if you're tied and you've gone seven innings letting up two runs and you're tied two two and then your team ends up winning like six two, like as soon as you leave the game. I, I don't know. I, I feel like that deserves so, something. <laughs> on the flip side, right? Yeah. The guy who also threw Seth probably, like, if you have two guys, yeah. you know, dueling aces going seven in, they went seven innings, they both threw uh, one run ball or zero, they, they gave up nothing, seven inning shutouts. Are you giving them both half of a, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what yeah. you do in that situation. I don't know what happens with the other guy. I feel like it's a no decision for the other guy, but I, I don't know. It's so hard to say. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. I, I Unfortunately, wins just don't capture everything. I think that's what the conversation comes down to is why wins are so unvaluable right now in the MLB because people realize it doesn't tell the whole story. Um but I don't know. I still feel like there should be a stat that does tell the full story. And uh, yeah, like when you factor in ERA and FIP and innings pitched and strikeouts and all that, like you can you can tell the story of a pitcher. But I wish wins just had a little bit more of an effect. Like uh, saves and wins are becoming obsolete in baseball right right now. And I I feel like there's there could be a way to change those stats for the better. Um, and I, obviously, once you change them, then like it messes with everything historical so people don't like changing stats they like adding new stats um so at the end of the day yeah there's better stats but i don't know it's just like it's the same thing for me as an assist um to a guy who gets fouled and then makes two free throws it's the same thing like it it just it feels wrong when you don't get an assist for that I, i don't know we could talk about this all day for stats that, you know, should be changed or should yeah. never have been counted like they are. But it's it's always going to be the same thing there, across sports. There's deep statistics, and I know that the the baseball writers are the guys who are voting on these awards are definitely looking at more statistics than we are as, mm-hmm. the, ca- as the casual um, diehard fans um, that we actually look at. So I'm sure they'll dive into it. And, uh, but I'm, I'm rooting that that's the only thing left I have to root for this year at the Yankees is for Garrett Cole Sion. So fair enough. Fair enough. That's what I'm hedging everything on. But this week, the Yankees, um, the Yankees play four games against the Tigers, three games against the Astros. I think the Yankees are going to go three and four. The rest of the year, they will not be above 500 in any week in my predictions. And I think three and four is a safe bet for this absolutely abysmal team. And Uh, now the floor is yours to talk about potentially wild card Red Sox. So my Red Sox, as you mentioned, are potentially, uh, you know, wild card team. They're playing the Astros for three games right now, currently down three to two in game one. Um, That does not deter me. Uh, I feel like the Red Sox have been resilient all year. Uh, I'm going to say that I'm saying this in part because I feel like they need to and in part because I feel like they will. 
Um, they need to take two games from the Astros out of this three-game stretch, uh, making it a 500 record against the Astros, Dodgers, and then Astros in a 10-game series against those two teams. Um, if we're able to take two games in this final three-game stretch, that makes it 500 for us, and I think that is very, very good considering the matchup that you've had in the last week and a half. Um, so, again – Two and three, uh, or two out of three in the Astros games. Um, and then we're playing the Royals. I, I really expect us to sweep the Royals, but I'm going to go with a safe bet of four and two this week. Um, you know, if if we end up losing two against the Astros, just winning one, uh, sweep the Royals, you know, I see that as a likely case. And I also see a likely case of taking two against the Astros and two against the Royals and dropping one, you know, should win game, but you know, it, it happens in baseball. So, uh, I'm going to say four and two, I think five and one is a stretch. And I think three and three would just not be putting uh credit to this team that has played really, really well lately. Um, so yeah, I, I feel confident in my four and two pick and I, I think we're, we're going to hit that. And if we don't, then we're, we're not a playoff team. I, I think, this week is really important for you to finish out that series or that stretch against the Astros and Dodgers. Um, and you have a, a must win series against the Royals. Um, it's, uh, it's the worst or not the worst team, but one of the worst teams in baseball. Uh, you cannot put up a dud again. These games, I really want to see a sweep, but I'd be happy if we just win both of these series. Fair enough. So what is your final prediction? Four and two, sir. Four and two. The optimism stays strong as the Red Sox try to close and try to make the playoffs. They are currently, what, two games out? Uh, I think we're – Or two and a half. I think we're like like four, actually. Hold on. Um, uh, because yeah, you're done. No, no, I, I have hope we're two games back of the blue Jays. I know that. And in the wild card, we are four and a half games back, Oof, so but, but the rain Rangers have lost nine of their last 10 and they're one of the teams that were four and a half back. The other is the Astros. We have a chance against the Astros right now to turn that around really quickly and be only a game and a half back of them if you know we're able to sweep them which would be a long shot but possible we have our chances and then the rangers having lost nine of their last 10 look almost as if they're on a crazy downhill slide um that might find them out of the wild card and in that case it would be a fight between toronto and boston to to take that third spot so I think it does depend. We're kind of relying on a team to play poorly, either, you know, sweep the Astros right now um, and get close to them or hope that the Rangers just continue their their downfall and their plunge uh, out of the division lead and out of the wild card. So I think we have our chances, but it does rely a lot on how other teams perform. Um, But fortunately, this Astros series could be really, really big for us. I agree. 
So, yeah, I don't know. That's where I'm at, four and two. I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I always appreciate your optimism, Beal. It always tends to make me feel a little bit better about my pain of the Yankees this year. And uh, you've had to do that a lot for me. So I, I thank you for that. Yep, no worries. But uh, without further ado, that does it for us today. Thank you for tuning in. We love we love everybody who tunes in and supports us. Um, and enjoy your sunsets, your sunrises, your brunches, and your lunners. My food, my, my world revolves around food. Not my food revolves around the world. Uh, but <laughs> that too. But uh, that too. Uh, that does it for me, Beal. Take us out. All right. Um, I would take us out on a thought here. Uh, since we didn't get a chance to talk about basketball, I just wanted to throw this out here. Uh, and maybe it's something we could talk about next podcast. But I saw a post about a two-on-two tournament and basically uh, gave you options of different two-on-two players to have in the tournament. And for a lot of reasons – um, it made me really excited to see that one of them was Jimmy and Jamal. And I just, I want to leave us on the note that I think that's the clutchest duo of all time. If that was your two on two team. And I don't think anybody's stopping them. Okay. But you didn't mention Jordan on that. Two on they, two. they were current players. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Right. But Jordan's also not the clutchest player. And I'll leave us out on that note. Bullshit. <laughs>